0: My husband and I had an interesting conversation yesterday when we were driving in the car because I was talking about uh, school choice. I was talking about public schools. We were actually talking, even though our daughter's only seven months old, we were talking about school uh, options for our daughter. And I was just railing against public schools and saying how horrible they are. And what was interesting is we were talking about how it almost doesn't matter how many of these stories that we hear about public schools, whether it's teachers, whether it's school boards, whether it's teachers unions, uh, officials, even teachers unions, presidents, Democrat politicians. It doesn't matter how often we hear about these horrible stories about what's happening in our public schools. They are so horrible. It's actually hard to believe. Even I, I mean, I do this for a living. This is what I talk about all the time. I research this. I talk to you about it. I report on this. And even for me, it's hard to believe sometimes that these incidents aren't Isolated incidents, that's sort of my knee jerk reaction is to be, is to say, well, sure, across the whole country, in an institution as large, with as many people as the public school system in our country is, of course, there's going to be some rotten apple teachers. There's even going to be some rotten apple members on school boards or teachers' unions, et cetera, et cetera, in administrations of these schools. And that's going to trickle down into curriculum, but surely that's an isolated incident. That doesn't mean it's everywhere. That's what I thought until this year. This year has changed my mind. When we have seen the When we've seen teachers' unions admit what their agenda is, that it's not about the students, it's not even about the teachers, it's about radical leftist ideology. When we have seen um, teachers say that they will literally break the law to indoctrinate our children with critical race theory, with racialism and Marxism, and then we hear the teachers' union say, we're actually spending money to pay for things like critical race theory to be taught in all 50 states and 14,000 school districts across the country— it makes me realize at least that this is not an isolated incident. This is everywhere. But I understand that um, that it's still somewhat hard to wrap our minds around, especially if we or our children or, you know, anybody that we know has gone to a public school, which is true for almost anybody. And so that's why I think it's really important to talk about uh, to talk about incidents like this. Obama's former uh, Secretary of Education, his name's Arnie Duncan. You probably remember him. He was very bad at his job. Arnie Duncan tweeted. Just this week, calling uh, folks who are anti maskers, I hate that term because it sounds negative, but you know, whatever, I'm an anti masker, um, calls anti maskers and anybody who is against vaccine mandates, he called them terrorists. Now, I'm not speaking hyperbolically here. This is his tweet, let me read it to you. Quote Have you noticed how strikingly similar both the mindsets and actions are between the suicide bombers at, Kabul, at Kabul's airport and the anti mask and anti vax people here? They both blow themselves up inflict harm on those around them and are convinced they're fighting for freedom." End quote. I don't know if he thinks that he's being pithy, if he thinks he's being witty, or if he's just truly one of the most terrible human beings in our country, but to compare people who don't want the government to force them to get vaccinated or to compare people who actually read scientific studies about masks and don't want their kids to be forced to cover their faces in schools, to compare those Americans to the terrorists that just murdered 13 of our countrymen, I literally don't even have words. I don't even have words, but people wonder sometimes why I blast the public school system as hard as I do. This is why. Why I absolutely will be homeschooling my children. This is why. Because lunatics like Arne Duncan are brainwashing our children in public school. He was in charge of the entire education system across the whole United States under the Obama administration. This man was, who thinks that you are a terrorist because you question the government mandating a vaccine and you don't want to wear a mask over your face anymore. He thinks you're the same as the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS-K. And by the way, again, lest our natural inclination lead us to think that this is an isolated incident, maybe he's just being idiotic today, but it's not an it's not indication of anybody else. No, no. The Department of Homeland Security under Biden, we talked about this last week, the Department of Homeland Security did this too with their terrorism advisory. Uh, they issued this terror advisory calling out the anniversary of the September 11, 2001 terror attacks, um, saying that people concerned about election fraud during the 2020 presidential election or people skeptical of government COVID lockdowns and mandates were to be warned about because they could commit terrorism. Again, trying to label me, trying to label you as terrorists, not just political opposition, not just fellow Americans who disagree, not not even as adversaries in the political realm, as actual terrorists. The definition of terrorism, by the way, from the United States government is an act of violence intended as violence, intended to create news headlines because otherwise the political position or religious view of the terrorist would not, be, uh, would not gain traction, does not have a large enough following. So they use violence to try to attract that attention, to try to attract those news headlines. That's what the Department of Homeland Security and Obama's education secretary are accusing you and me of. And this is actually not a new tactic. It might be a new tactic in our government, meaning that leftists have, up until this point, at least respected the fact that we share a country, at least respected the fact that we're all Americans, uh, despite our political differences in our American political system. So we may not have seen this in our country before, or maybe we have. Because you'll see this, you'll see this tactic, the same tactic being used with any tyrannical regime or any time a government oppresses a certain people, a certain demographic of people based on some characteristic of the persons in that group. What these governments will do is they'll dehumanize people in order to justify the oppression. Because otherwise, the citizenry will rise up. Otherwise, how can one human justify oppressing and harming and maybe even killing another person? You must dehumanize a person before you harm them. And so governments have always done this. They've used racist tropes. They've used this idea of, uh, of less than, which is the core of what dehumanizing someone is. It's making a person less than what they are, rejecting their dignity, diminishing who they are as people. And we can go through examples of this. Jews are dirty, the narrative said. Black men are brutes, the narrative said. Hispanics are lazy, the narrative said. Women are dumb, the narrative said. All before each person in these demographics was oppressed in some way. So now they're saying you are a terrorist, why? Because they want to silence you. They want to stop you. They want to subjugate you. They want to oppress you. Ultimately, they don't want you to have the rights that you enjoy right now under the US Constitution. They want their ideology to reign supreme and they want you to be nothing. I'm Liz Wheeler, welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. Okay, let me be very blunt here. Don't you dare celebrate the end, the so-called end, quote-unquote end of the war in Afghanistan. Don't you dare celebrate the end of the war in Afghanistan. I'm going to tell you why in just a minute, but first of all, I want to talk to you about The Spectator as the longest-running magazine in the world. The Spectator believes that journalism must be witty and insightful, that ideas, and this is key, ideas should be discussed without the constant threat of cancellation. What other media organization or news outlet can you think of where that's their agenda, that's their goal, that ideas should be discussed. They never confuse the serious with the dull. It's not right-wing or left-wing. It believes in challenging and informing and entertaining readers. They believe life is bigger than politics, which is why they cover art, culture, food, wine, travel, and life all around. Sign up today at The Spectator, and you'll receive three months of both the print and digital magazine, plus a free Spectator hat if you use the offer code LIZ at checkout to redeem this special offer. Just for listeners of this podcast, just go to spectatorworld.com slash special offer and use offer code LIZ. I love The Spectator. I highly recommend that you get involved. They cover everything from the Biden administration to book reviews, from cancel culture to cultural cuisine. They're going to entertain you cover to cover. So sign up today to get three months of The Spectator. For free, plus a free spectator hat when you subscribe today at spectatorworld.com special offer. Use the offer code Liz at checkout to redeem your offer. spectatorworld.com slash special offer. Offer code Liz. Meanwhile, as Arnie Duncan, Obama's former education secretary, accuses you and I of being terrorists. Meanwhile, actual terrorists, the same liberals, surrender to and praise. The Biden administration surrendering and praising the Taliban. So don't you dare celebrate what the Biden administration is claiming is the end of the war in Afghanistan. This is General McKenzie. He's the head of CENTCOM, so he's the big wig over in the Middle East right now. He goes he goes on in public on this video to announce that the war in Afghanistan has come to an end. And it is, I listen for yourself first and then I will tell you what I think, listen. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm here to announce the completion of our withdrawal from Afghanistan in the end of the military mission to evacuate American citizens, third country nationals, and vulnerable Afghans. The last C-17 lifted off from Hamad Karzai International Airport on August 30th this afternoon at 3.29 p.m. East Coast time. And the last manned aircraft is now clearing the airspace above Afghanistan. I mean, this guy knows better. This guy knows better. General McKenzie knows better through his actions, through his unwillingness to resign in the face of Biden's horrible choices that McKenzie, being a military man, knew would result exactly how it's resulting. People are dying over in Afghanistan. 13 Americans have died, hundreds. And this is something, why are we not talking about the number of Afghanis who were killed in the suicide attack? It was over 150 Afghans who were killed I mean, think of the deadliest mass shootings here in the United States that basically stopped our country in horror and grief for days, if not weeks on end. The number of people killed in those mass shootings was a fraction of the number of people, or of Afghan people who were killed in Afghanistan by the suicide bomber at the Kabul airport. Because of the Biden administration, because of the political choices of the Biden administration, because of military brass like General McKenzie being unwilling to throw his stars, throw his rank on the desk and say, if you do that, I'm resigning because I will not be part of this. And said, he goes on video here announcing the end of the war in Afghanistan as if this was a success instead of a defeat. It is, as if this is something to be proud of instead of something to be ashamed of. As if this is something good instead of something that embarrasses the whole nation. Meanwhile, We can see the reality of what's happening in Afghanistan because of people like General McKenzie. We can see this. Uh, Take a look, in fact, at this video. This is a US Black Hawk helicopter flown by the Taliban. Take a look at this. Now, for those of you who are listening and not watching this, the video not only showed a U.S. Blackhawk helicopter uh, controlled by the Taliban, flown by the Taliban, there was a man hanging from this Blackhawk. Now, it appears to be someone literally being hung. It appears to be someone being killed. And that's what the original reports are. Now, there are some blue check marks who are contradicting that, saying, no, it's, it's not someone being hanged. It's a Taliban fighter hanging a Taliban flag okay, that's still horrendous. Let's talk about the fact that the U.S. Blackhawk is in possession of the Taliban. Do you know that the Taliban now controls more Blackhawk helicopters than 85% of the world's countries? They are in the top 15% now in war weapons, When it Blackhawk specifically, because the U.S. left them. Over 80 billion dollars of military equipment in the hands of a terror group. Remember, this is a nicer, gentler Taliban, they tell us. A Taliban that wants to be part of the 21st century, that wants international recognition and cooperation. Thank goodness the Taliban's committed to fighting climate change with their Black Hawk helicopter fleet, their air force. Questionably, whether they're hanging someone. We know, by the way, that they're killing people. We know they're going door to door. I'll have that that to show you in just a moment. But don't forget here, Joe Biden, the President of the United States, promised the American people that the United States would not leave the ground in Afghanistan till all Americans were evacuated. Those are his words. Joe Biden told the American people on August 18th during an interview with George Stepanopoulos, that we will not withdraw. We will not leave the ground until all Americans are evacuated. Take a listen to this, it's so disgusting. And are you committed to making sure that the troops stay until every American who wants to be out is out? Yes, yes. How about our Afghan allies? Does the commitment hold for them as well? The commitment holds to get everyone out that, in fact, we can get out and everyone should come out. And that's the objective. That's what we're doing now. That's the path we're on, and I think we'll get there. So Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't... The troops if, will If stay. we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if there are American forces, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. Joe Biden lied. He lied. Joe Biden lied to the American people. And then he continued to lie. First, Joe Biden said withdrawing from Afghanistan will be safe and orderly. Was it? I'll let you decide. You saw the videos. You saw the terror attacks. Then Joe Biden said, it's highly unlikely that the Taliban could overtake the Afghan government. Was it? No, Joe Biden lied. He had intelligence that said the Taliban could in fact overtake the Afghan government. And then they did because Joe Biden did nothing but lie to the American people. Then Joe Biden said the US government won't withdraw our military until all Americans are evacuated from Afghanistan. Afghanistan. Joe Biden is not only a liar, he's a deadly liar. General McKenzie himself, who's obviously at this point a mouthpiece of the Biden administration, even General McKenzie himself admitted that there are hundreds of Americans left behind. Take a listen to this. We have evacuated more than 6,000 U.S. civilians, which we believe represents the vast majority of those who wanted to leave at this time. The vast majority of people who wanted to leave have been evacuated. The vast majority. Well, General, what about the rest? Because the vast majority is not the entirety of the people. It's not every American. The vast majority leaves people behind, which Joe Biden, the president of the United States, the commander in chief, promised not to do. The number of Americans remaining in Afghanistan, according to General McKenzie, is in the very low hundreds, 100 or 200. And the general says that the US will uh, be getting the people out, but the State Department will be leading the negotiations, leading the efforts. So in other words, what the Biden administration plans to do. And this is what, if you read between the lines, they plan to pay off the Taliban. That's the only way uh, for diplomacy to work in this case. If the Taliban essentially has a hostage situation and they demand that you pay a ransom to get your people out, to get our people out unharmed. Otherwise, if you don't pay them off, what happens? I tremble to even imagine what will happen. I tremble to even imagine. Now, McKenzie's excuse, he says, quote, there were no evacuees left at the airport when the last flight left. Okay, I don't disbelieve him. He's probably telling the truth there, but let's ask why. Why were there no evacuees left at the airport when the last US flight left? The reason for that is because the Taliban isn't allowing American citizens or our Afghan allies to get to the airport. He's not allowing them. In fact, an American citizen, this is so hard, for, this is so hard to even fathom. This is so hard for me to even talk about this. There's an American citizen right now, a woman in Afghanistan who's pregnant, She was kicked in the stomach by the Taliban. This pregnant woman was kicked in her pregnant belly by the Taliban, refused entry to the airport. She's now in hiding, fearing for her own life, fearing for the life of her unborn child. While the Biden administration says the vast majority of Americans who want to leave have been evacuated. What about this woman? What about the three-year-old boy, a U.S. citizen from California, He and his father tried to get to the Kabul airport to be evacuated. They were both beaten by the Taliban. I repeat, this baby, this three-year-old baby was beaten by the Taliban before he and his father were turned away. They want to be evacuated. What about them? Why are we leaving them behind? And now let's talk about our allies. There's an interpreter in Afghanistan who saved Joe Biden's life when he was a senator. 13 years ago, Joe Biden's helicopter went down in Afghanistan and this Afghan interpreter saved Joe Biden. He's now in Afghanistan, the same interpreter, begging Joe Biden to save his life. And Joe Biden has left him behind. If this doesn't kick you in the gut, if this doesn't tell every person, no matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, conservative or a liberal, that Joe Biden's decisions are evil and deadly, then I don't know what to say to you. The Biden administration is spinning this as if it's just regular old politics, as if it's not people's lives at stake here, saying, oh, the number of people, Americans that are still there are in the, in, in the low hundreds. Well, even that's been contested. Glenn Beck, in fact, Glenn Beck says it's a lie, not just contested, that only a couple hundred people are left behind here. Take a listen to what Beck says. Now they're saying only 240 Americans are left. That is a lie. That is a lie. I have more than 240 requests from people coming into our email. that are saying, please, can you help us get out? It's a lie. Meanwhile, remember just one week ago what Press Secretary Jen Psaki said. She said, and I quote, I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not, end quote. They're not stranded? Then what are they, Jen Psaki? Do you think this American woman who's pregnant wants to be kicked in the stomach by the Taliban? Do you think this three-year-old child wants to live under Sharia law? They want to leave. The Biden administration stranded them. Their lives are in danger. This is victim blaming by Jen Saki. falling prey to the propaganda of the Taliban, the Taliban claiming they're nicer and gentler. This is why I say, don't you dare celebrate the so-called end of the war in Afghanistan. Because radical Islamists are always at war with us. They want the death of Americans. Did the last 20 years teach us nothing? Basically, what we are now facing in Afghanistan is the biggest hostage situation our nation has ever faced. That is not something to celebrate. The United States has partnered with, armed, caved to, and surrendered in defeat to Taliban terrorists. That's something to mourn and grieve, not something to celebrate. Meanwhile, back here in the United States, Bernie Sanders is the biggest idiot uh, in the country here. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, let me talk about Young Heretics. If you don't already know, my friend Spencer Clavin, of no relation to Andrew Clavin, of course, hosts an amazing weekly podcast called Young Heretics. He, like us, is out there fighting the culture wars. So important. Fighting against cancel culture and the people that are trying to destroy everything that makes America great. Now, you guys know that I love reading, so this is so much fun for me to listen to on a weekly basis. Every week, Spencer walks through a different work of Western literature. Sometimes it's music, sometimes even films. But he breaks down why these iconic works are relevant to the crazy world around us today in an easily digestible and intelligent way. If you are not already listening to it, you should be, especially in this time of turmoil. This po- His podcast is produced by Soundfront, same guys that produce my podcast. They also produce Verdict with Ted Cruz. Uh, Spencer is entertaining and fun, and it's so important in the fight to preserve everything we love about the West. So go subscribe right now and listen at youngheretics.com, youngheretics.com, and tell Spencer that I sent you. So Senator Bernie Sanders has been fear mongering about climate change in the wake of Hurricane Ida. This man, I tell you, he will never, I mean, he really will never let a crisis go to waste, but he does it in in a despicable manner, I think, because it's not just a crisis. It's always a crisis where people fear for their lives, and Bernie Sanders has to attach his own pet political agenda to their fear for their own lives. And That, my friends, is called emotional manipulation, and Bernie Sanders' emotional manipulation is also rife with lies. So here's what he tweeted. Sanders tweeted, quote, the destruction from Hurricane Ida is devastating. Our thoughts are with those in danger and with first responders saving lives. But let's be clear, he says, if we do not act boldly to combat climate change, what we see today will become the norm as the planet becomes more uninhabitable, end quote. As I said, fear-mongering, super fear-mongering, super hyperbolic. Here's the reality of the situation, the actual statistics. According to NOAA, that's the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association, um, which, by the way, is a very, very, very liberal, left-leaning government organization. Um, So if they say Bernie Sanders is wrong, then it's even more laughable, because this is not even a right-wing organization. Um, So according to NOAA, even accepting their premise, NOAA accepts the premise of climate change, which I don't, but even accepting their premise for the purposes of this segment, um, they say that climate change will make hurricanes 25% less frequent and just 5% more intense, which is not enough statistically to increase the harm from the hurricanes. Isn't that interesting? Bernie Sanders is lying by the standards of people in his own party, on his own side. This is what the model at NOAA says, quote, the model also supports the notion of a substantial decrease, 25% on average, in in the overall number of Atlantic hurricanes and tropical storms, and the lifetime maximum intensity of Atlantic hurricanes will increase by about 5% during the 21st century, end quote. So when I say increase by 5%, that's over the course of 100 years, the course of a whole century, the century that we are still in uh, the very beginning of, and what are we? in the 21st year of the 21st century right now. So Bernie Sanders is a liar. He's not even following facts, even according to um, organizations that believe what he believes about uh, climate change and global warming. In addition, remember, the increase in damage that we see from hurricanes now compared to 25 years ago is mostly due to our increase in infrastructure in areas that are likely to be struck by hurricanes. So it's not necessarily that the hurricanes are more damaging in and of themselves. It's that we have built in places that are likely to be hit by these hurricanes. So of course, there's monetarily more damage because we've built things in that area that's going to be hit, even though we know that's going to be hit. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to build there. I'm just saying the reality of the thing, the reality of the situation is that hurricanes are going to destroy what's built there, and we've chosen to build there. So it's not that hurricanes themselves are worse. It's that there's more for them to damage, if that makes sense. Again, the moral of that story is Bernie Sanders is an enormous liar who doesn't uh, follow the facts. He just wants to fearmonger in order to emotionally manipulate the American people. Speaking of manipulation, the teachers' unions, uh, specifically a teachers' union called UTLA, that's United Teachers Los Angeles they uh have, their union president has admitted that learning, kids learning in school is not actually the goal of public schools. You should hear some of the quotes from this woman in Los Angeles magazine. Okay, this is the president. Her name is Cicely Mayart Cruz, and she was addressing learning loss. So, Learning loss is the idea that because kids were on Zoom school versus in classrooms over the past year, they fell behind. They did not learn as much or as robustly as they ought to have. And that's a widely accepted fact, I think, on both sides of the aisle. It's not even particularly political. Everyone knows that, well, kids weren't in school, Zoom school sucked, they didn't learn as much. Okay, let's fix that. Well, according to Cicely Meyer at Cruz, quote, there is no such thing as learning loss. She said, our kids did not lose anything. Let me pause right there. I kind of agree with her when it comes to liberal classrooms. I know that might be a controversial opinion, but- Uh, Our kids didn't lose anything by not being indoctrinated, not being brainwashed in liberal public schools. Yeah, maybe she's right. Maybe kids actually were able to think independently. Maybe they had the influence of their parents instead of these terrible, radical teachers unions and teachers who only want uh, to brainwash them and teach them about crazy gender ideology and critical race theory. So maybe they didn't lose anything. But that, of course, is not the point Cicely Mayer-Cruz wants to make. She goes, there's no such thing as learning loss. Our kids didn't lose anything. It's okay that our babies may not have learned all their times tables. They learned resilience. They learned survival. They learned critical thinking skills. They know the difference between a riot and a protest. They know the words insurrection and coup. End quote. Okay. Okay. They know the difference between a riot and a protest. They know the words insurrection and coup. So you think this teachers union president literally thinks that kids staying home and watching what, CNN, is more educational than a public school classroom. What What is it with these teachers and these teachers unions officials admitting that their jobs are useless, that public schools are terrible, and that kids are not better off going to public schools? Their words, their words, not even mine. She goes on to say, she's not done though. She goes, quote, it's not radical to ask for ethnic studies. It's not radical to ask for childcare. It's not radical to ask for police-free schools so that students don't feel criminalized. That is not radical. That's just fact, end quote. So she obviously don't, doesn't know the definition of the word fact, but here's the context of what she's talking about there. Remember in Los Angeles that the schools, the public schools, the teachers unions in Los Angeles that run the public schools essentially threatened to never reopen the public schools, to never admit students into the classroom for face-to-face learning again, unless they had this list of demands that they issued, unless the government in California and in Los Angeles specifically met their list of demands, then the teachers unions didn't want teachers to teach in person. And on this list of demands were nothing about education, nothing about kids learning, not even anything about teachers, they were literally socialist demands. They wanted to abolish police, they wanted to defund police, they wanted free childcare, they wanted you know, all kinds of ra- radical crazy stuff put into the curriculum. It was a laundry list of socialist agenda items that had nothing to do with education. The education system, our public school system, was simply um, the carrier, the carrier that the leftists use to infect our children with radical leftist ideology. And of course, this woman admits admits this. She says, quote, education is political. People don't want to say that, but it is. She is, of course, right. If you don't use public schools, to brainwash kids with radical leftist ideology, then you ought to be using them to teach children that communism is bad, to teach teach them about American exceptionalism, to teach them about why our country has succeeded for as long as it has in the way that it has. It's going to be political one way or the other. There's not going to be an absence of politics in school. It's just which ideology reigns supreme. And In a nation that's built on the idea of freedom and liberty and justice, we ought to make sure that patriotism and anti-communism is the ideology that's taught to our children based on history, based on fact, not based on Marxism. She says, of course, building, she's not done yet. She says reopening schools without a broader improvement of schools will be unsafe and will only deepen racial and class inequalities. Again, with the Marxism, this is all about their hostage demand list saying we won't reopen unless you give us every Marxist demand we want. And then she admits that she is unaccountable to parents. She says, you can recall the governor, you can recall the school board, but how are you going to recall me? Ma'am, with all due respect, school choice is the answer here. We can pull our children out of public schools. I would never in a million years allow my daughter to go to a school where you were within a hundred miles of the school. Your poisonous ideology will never come near the innocent mind of my beautiful child. Parents can pull their children out of public schools. They can send them to charter schools. They can send them to private schools. They can send them to co-ops. They can, send them, they can homeschool them. But no parent should ever feel that they have to send their child to a school run by this woman, and that their child should be forcibly indoctrinated with this garbage because they have no other option. And by the way, parents across the country, doesn't matter your politics. Again, doesn't matter if you're Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. Parents agree with me. So you could call that some sort of recall. And yeah, it's coming for you. Now, there are idiots, and there are idiots, right? There are idiots that run the school board. (laughs) There are idiots that run the teachers' unions. Um, And to make it just lighter for just a second, you want to see a video of some real idiots on the school board who don't even know that they're getting pranked. When they're getting pranked, take a listen to this. And listen, by the way, very, very closely to the names that they're calling um, these are names that were submitted, I believe, to be speakers at the school board meeting, but I don't think they're real people. Take a listen. You guys work for us in in, in this uh, environment. You answer to us, and I'm asking that you do not pass this policy in Virginia. Thank you, you so much, county. Ms. Thomas. We do appreciate you. Phil McCracken. Phil McCracken. Sulk. Suk Mahidik. Ophelia McHawk. Ophelia McHawk. Eileen Dover. Eileen Dover. Don Kiddick. Don Kiddick. Wayne Kerr. Wayne Kerr. I mean, like I said, there are idiots and there are idiots. I just, I just cracked up. I just laughed so hard when I saw this. Here's my question. How did he not catch on after the first couple names? How did he not hear what he was saying and say, oh God, I should stop talking right now. I should close my mouth but they're idiots and they're idiots. And he's one of them. Now that of course is a prank that was pulled on a school board. This, uh, what I want to talk about next, unfortunately is not a prank. This is, it's really atrocious. So we're now what, 10, 11 days from the 20th anniversary of September 11th, 2001, the terror attack on our homeland that killed over 3000, uh, people, most of whom were citizens of the United States. So, in the lead up to this twentieth anniversary of this dark day in American history, the Virginia Department of Education has told teachers not to tie um, September eleventh, not to tie it to Muslim extremism or radical Islam when they are teaching students about it. Yeah, I wish I was making this up. I wish it was one of those isolated incidents that I mentioned at the beginning. It is not. This is not one teacher. This is not one school. This is not even one school administrator or one school board. This is the Virginia Department of Education in charge of all the public schools across the entire state of Virginia. They hosted a woman named Amara DeCour um, to give a presentation in order to instruct teachers how to teach students about 9 11. And the point of this presentation by Amara Decor was telling teachers to please exclude the role that radical Islam played in 9-11. Teachers are told to avoid language that even connects Muslim extremism with the terror attacks on 9-11. Now, you might be scratching your head here and asking, well, weren't the terror attacks on 9-11 committed by jihadists, committed by radical Islamists who themselves admitted they did it for because of their religious beliefs? In the name of jihad, the answer to that is obviously yes, of course, you can't separate the two. The hijackings were committed by, by Islamists, radical jihadis, who did it because, based, because of their religious beliefs, based on their religious beliefs. And so you might ask, why on earth does Amaria Dukur tell the Virginia Department of Education not to tie Muslim extremism to 9-11? Her reason is because it could heighten anti-Muslim sentiment in our country. Good Lord. No one supports bullying peaceful Muslims. No one supports anti-peaceful Muslim sentiment. But this is the most BS, the most ridiculous, the most absurd reason for this revisionist history that I have ever heard. In this presentation that Amara DeCour gave to the Virginia Department of Education, this is what she said, quote, School and Classroom 9-11 commemorations are sites for increased anti-Muslim racism. This year's 20th anniversary commemorations will likely result in heightened risks of racist discourse, threats, and violence targeting Muslim students in schools and society. Educators are well-positioned to disrupt these risks by centering the socio-emotional needs of Muslims in their commemoration plans. Okay, what about the actual history? What about the truth? Here's what I don't get about the radical left. When they want to erase the idea of radical Islam, when they want to pretend that radical Islam doesn't exist, they act like it's the same thing as the peaceful Muslims, the religion or the ideology followed by peaceful Muslims. Yet they're the same people that tell us that the Muslim religion is misrepresented by radical Islam. So which is it? You can't have it both ways. Either radical Islam is completely separate and therefore there's no socio-emotional needs that should be met from peaceful Muslims because you're telling us it's an entirely different group or you're lying if you believe that all Muslims are inherently violent, I suppose, if they ascribe to this ideology. Again, you can't have it both ways, yet your narrative, the radical leftist narrative, contradicts itself. So, Amara Decor created a list of teaching standards, what she uh, called teaching standards that are in and teaching standards that are out. And when she said teaching standards that are in, she said an acknowledgement of anti Muslim racism is in. What's out? False assumptions, she said, of Muslim responsibility for 9 11. And also, what's out is American exceptionalism. She literally wants to rewrite history. She wants to rewrite history. She says it's harmful to teach on 9/11. These are harmful teaching standards, she says, to employ on 9/11, creating a tense classroom environment, reducing 9/11 instruction to death counts and fearmongering, teaching about Islam and or Muslims, amplifying the extremists and extremist acts of 9/11. Dem- oh, this one this one just I could not. This one flabbergasted me. It creates a hostile environment, she said to demand the condemnation of 9-11. Like what? What? How on earth does that create a hostile environment in the classroom? 9-11 is one of the darkest days in American history, and it doesn't matter your religion, it doesn't matter your politics, it doesn't matter your ideology, your political ideology, How on God's green earth would that create a hostile environment unless you are trying to provide some sort of cover for the 9-11 hijackers? I hate to even say that, but what else could possibly justify something so awful? Well, anti-Americanism could, and that seems to be part of this woman's narrative. She said that uh, it would also create a hostile environment in the classroom to reproduce a single American narrative that marginalizes other students. Woman, we are all Americans. Yes, we are different. We are a melting pot, but we are all Americans and there is nothing racist about that. Now, you might be saying this woman sounds like a total nut, an absolute crazy woman, and you would be right, she is, but here's something that probably won't surprise you. Amara Decor has previously thanked uh, an institution called the Institute for Social Policy and Understanding. It's a Muslim interest group Endorsed by none other than Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib for supporting her work. So there you are. School children of Virginia, beware. Parents of school children in Virginia, beware. This is the kind of absolutely poisonous ideology that is being taught to teachers to teach to your students. So ask your child on 9 11, ask them what their teacher taught them about 9 11, because remember, your kids weren't here for that. We all remember it very clearly our children do not. Ask them what they're taught to see if this poisonous ideology has made it into your public school. By the way, if you care about human rights, if you care about human dignity, women's rights, personal autonomy, bodily autonomy, dignity and rights for LGBTQ people, you should educate students about radical Islam. Because radical Islam commits some of the grossest human rights abuses in the entire world. And let's talk about, for example, what it's like to live in Afghanistan right now under the Taliban, under Sharia law. So not only have they trashed the city, literally, there are trash heaps throughout the city. There is feces on sidewalks in Kabul. There are armed guards at every street corner. And what are these armed guards doing? They're not protecting the people. They're not keeping it safe. They're beating people. The Taliban is shutting off electricity in Kabul every night. Internet service is now down Banks don't have any money. Inflation is rampant. There are no trucks delivering any goods or services on the streets anymore. Women must now wear burqas. They're not allowed to leave their house. They're prohibited to go outside their homes without a male family member. I cannot stop thinking about the women of Afghanistan, not only forced to wear burqas, prohibited from going outside without a male, no college for them, no jobs, no rights. They face rape and sex slavery, torture, and death for disobeying Sharia law, disobeying the Taliban, being forced to adhere to radical Islam. How could Joe Biden allow this atrocity to happen? These radical leftists are trying to infiltrate. They're trying to spread their ideology into every corner of our nation. They're using the public school system to do so. That's why so many people in our country voted for Joe Biden because we have a whole generation of children who are now of voting age who've been indoctrinated in public schools to harbor these basically anti-American or pseudo-Marxist ideology. And so they hear a candidate that preaches freedom and liberty and justice compared to a candidate who preaches all kinds of big government programs, welfare state, neo-Marxism. And they choose the leftist candidate because that's what they were taught in school is rights. They were taught that our country is not exceptional, it's not good, and that we ought to want radical change. And they're taught that the radical change we should want is Marxism. That's how we chose Biden. That's how we got such a weakling in the White House who's making decisions that are leading to these atrocities in Afghanistan. The Taliban is now conducting house-to-house executions in Kabul, and we actually have, fortunately, thank God, we're not seeing the death on this video, but listen, to this listen to this gunfire listen to what's happening in neighborhoods in Kabul right now. take a listen to this. That's what's happening in Kabul right now. The Taliban, the gentler, kinder Taliban who wants international respect, international recognition, international cooperation, who cares about climate change, conducting house-to-house executions of anybody who has ever worked against them with the Afghan government, with the Afghan military, with the American government and the American military. When Joe Biden met the families or met the fallen service members, during the dignified dignified transfer of their bodies in Delaware yesterday. It's a good thing that he was there. He's the president of the United States. He's the commander in chief. It was the right thing for him to be there. And yet all he did was show disrespect, dismissed the families of the fallen. He looked at his watch five different times when the caskets of the service members who he sent to their deaths were being unloaded from the airplane. He looked at his watch. Where did he have to be? Why did he care what time it was? Why wasn't he present? The family member of, of one of the fallen spoke to Biden afterward and reported that all Biden could talk about was his dead son, Bo. And I'm not here to disrespect Biden's loss. I imagine that's, I can't even imagine actually how traumatic that was to lose your son to brain cancer. But it wasn't about Biden Yesterday, it was about the fallen service members and the families of fallen service members. And when one of the family members brought that up, Biden dismissed her. He rolled his eyes at her. And when she criticized his political decisions that led to the death of her family member, he turned his back and walked away and flipped his hand as if to dismiss her. There's nothing that's left to be said. We know the character of Joe Biden. Some of us have been warning about him for years. Do not let this man anywhere near the White House. We know his character. We know the radical leftist ideology. We know the cold-hearted dismissal, how out of touch, how elite he is, and how he's failed the U.S. military and the American people before, and now he's doing it again. But to do it in the face of the families of fallen service members is a new low, even for a man like this. All right, we have to head over to Locals now for what we're gonna talk about next because as you know, we can't talk about the truth about COVID-19 or anything related to COVID-19 like masks or the vaccine or anything, natural immunity perhaps, hint, hint. We can't talk about any of this on Big Tech for fear of being censored. We've recently been demonetized on Facebook again for talking about scientific studies about COVID again. So you probably wanna hear what we're gonna talk about next, but please join us on Locals, Liz Wheeler Show, Dot com slash locals this is for VIPs only otherwise big Tech will smack us down Liz wheeler show com slash locals so good news for those of us who have been following the science all along and talking about um, the very odd and silly and unscientific recommendations from the CDC and all of the public health ilk, telling people who've already had COVID that they still need to be vaccinated. So obviously, common sense tells us that that's stupid because you are naturally inoculated against COVID if you have contracted the virus versus why, versus a vaccine, which is an artificial inoculation. Well, a large scientific study has proved us to be correct and proved Fauci and the CDC and the public health officials to be incorrect. This was a study conducted in Israel. This was over 2 million Israelis that were part of this data set, um, and this is what was found. Vaccinated individuals, those who had received the COVID-19 vaccine, had 27 times higher risk of symptomatic COVID-19 infection compared to those with natural immunity from prior COVID disease. So if you had COVID already and recovered, you were 27 times less likely to get reinfected with COVID than if you had the COVID-19 vaccine. Again, this is 2.5 million Israelis that were part of this experiment. This is how it was reported by Science Magazine, and I want to quote here. The study, led by Tal Padalon and Sivan Gazet at KSM, the system's research and innovation arm found in two analyses that never infected people who were vaccinated in January and February were, in June and July and the first half of August, six to 13 times more likely to get infected than unvaccinated people who were previously infected with the coronavirus. In one analysis, comparing more than 32,000 people in the health system, the risk of developing symptomatic COVID-19 was 27 times higher among the vaccinated and the risk of hospitalizations, eight, hospitalization eight times higher, end quote. Doesn't it feel good to be right? We were right yet again. If you have natural COVID immunity, not only is it equal to vac- vaccine immunity, it's much, much better. Your immune system, of course, outweighs big pharma. All right, please subscribe to the show if you haven't already on Apple Podcasts. Write us a five-star rating, give us a good review. I really like to read all of those. We are out of time for today, but we will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, think for yourself, use critical thought, question authority, follow the facts, and don't let government or corporate wokeism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. Thank you for watching, thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler, this is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive Producer, Chad Abbott. Director of Photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla, Assistant Editor, Michael Wall. Sound Mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-Production Manager, Victoria Metzl. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler, Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront Production.